you need to run the numbers upfront with your mortgage broker to understand what financing options you have to pick up the property and to refinance it if you're going to renovate it. Are you a real estate investor looking to sharpen your skills or a newbie looking to become one? You're in the right place. Welcome to Where Should I Invest? Real Estate Investing in Canada with your host, Sarah Larby. Hey, thank you again for tuning in. This week you are in for a great show with the one and only Dahlia Barsoom from Streetwise Mortgages. And we really dig into a lot today. We talk about the difference between commercial and residential financing, how to scale your portfolio with multifamily commercial units. We talk a lot about multifamily and how to do the conversion from single family to multifamily in terms of financing with many other tips in between. And we also cover a lot about CMHC and what we need to know about that. So it is going to be uh, a lot of information, a lot of what's happening these days as well from a financing standpoint and lots of great insights. And Dahlia does her tip of the week. So again, we record these a little bit ahead and then we do the tip of the week and I do my intros likely a few days to a week prior to releasing the episodes. So let's bring in Dahlia first, not for the actual interview, but for her tip. So Dahlia, what shall we know and what is new and exciting on your end? Hi, I'm Dahlia, founder of Streetwise Mortgages, and in the next series of episodes starting with today's, I will go over how financing for residential properties, which are one to four units, is different from financing for multifamily properties, which are five plus units. The first difference is how the lenders approve the mortgage. For one to four units, the lenders will qualify you for the mortgage based primarily on your personal income and personal debts. They will also take into consideration a percentage of the rental income for any rentals you hold. This will range from 50% to 100% of the rents depending on the lender. For multifamily properties, the lenders will assess the property's income and expenses, which is referred to as the net operating income. This will help determine how much debt the property can carry. Your personal income is secondary and with some lenders, it's completely irrelevant. And this is how some full-time investors qualify to scale up into multifamily assets with zero income. The second difference is lending ratios. All residential lenders, as we know, have predefined parameters in regards to how much debt you can service based on your personal income and any rental income. Those are called the debt coverage ratio GDS and total debt coverage ratio TDS. So if your GDS and TDS do not fit the lender's guidelines, then the lender will either cut down the mortgage amount you're applying for or decline the deal altogether and you'll have to go to a different lender. In multifamily financing, lenders also have predefined parameters, but they are mainly around how much debt the property, not you, can carry. Those are referred to as the debt coverage servicing ratios or DCR. The maximum mortgage the property qualifies for cannot exceed the DCR guideline. The third difference is down payment. With residential properties, the minimum down payment is 20% if you qualify with the lender. 
With multifamily properties, the minimum with traditional lenders is 25 down and it's 15 down with CMHC. Having said that, down payment is not standard across the board. If the property cannot qualify for a 75% of its value in a mortgage with a traditional lender or 85% uh, of the value in a mortgage with CMHC based on the DCR, then the lender will cut down the loan amount and therefore a larger down payment would be required. Also, the 15% down with CMHC is based on their value versus the actual appraisal. So sometimes they may appraise a property below what the appraisal report says. So just keep that in mind. The last difference is net worth. With multifamily financing, lenders are more particular about your personal net worth compared to residential properties. The rule of thumb is that they look for 25% of the mortgage amount you are applying for in net worth, which include equity in other properties, cash, or investments, or a combination of all of the above. In the following episodes, I will cover more differences such as amortization, financing costs, and the approval timelines. So tune in. If you are looking to get into multifamily properties and are looking for guidance, or if you're currently investing in multifamily and are looking for sophisticated financing strategies to scale, such as funding for renovations or higher loan to values on buildings, our team at Streetwise Mortgages would be happy to assist you. To discuss a deal or book a planning session, email us at info at streetwisemortgages.com. Cheers to your success. Awesome. Thank you, Dahlia. That was great. Before we bring you back to talk about multifamily, commercial financing, as well as residential financing, we are going to just talk about the retreat for a second. And we have some great speakers. So Robbie Clark is going to be speaking as well as Brady McDonald. And I don't know if you guys know Brady, but he has been living the life on his terms in the sense that he's been in Florida. He's been traveling for the, I would say the last, you know, larger part of the pandemic has been doing some amazing projects and uh, he's going to talk about how to really scale your portfolio as well while being able to live the lifestyle and creating the processes and the procedures needed. So he's going to be talking a lot about that at the retreat. And if you haven't received your tickets yet for the 9th, 10th, and 11th of August, definitely reach out to me, send me an email, or just go to, if you have an Instagram account, the Inspire Beach Resort Instagram, and you can find out more information and the link will be on there as well. We're going to have, it's going to be all inclusive. So we've got like an actual bar company coming with some customized drinks. It's going to be unlimited food, drinks, activities. We have axe throwing, we have workshops. It's going to be like a mastermind times 10 with, you know, tons of great information, but also lots of great activities and networking opportunities. We've got a pontoon bow. We're going to be doing some pontoon cruises. Everybody is going to have their private hotel room. We've actually booked a local hotel nearby with transportation. We've got live comedy. And so we have a few tickets left. They will likely sell out quite soon. But if you are interested, again, to join Inspire Beach Resort on Instagram, or you can just send me a message, 
sarah at sarahlarby.com. And I haven't received my Instagram back. I had to hire a company. Hopefully they can get it back for me. But until then, I am not starting a new Instagram. I'm hoping to get this one back, but uh, we'll see what happens. On that note, let's bring in Dahlia to talk about multifamily and commercial financing. Dahlia, welcome to the show back again. How are you? I'm great. I'm great, Sarah. How are you doing? Good, good. Now you are living an amazing lifestyle, living it up, and you just came back from a big trip. Where were you recently? Uh, We were in Egypt for two weeks, and before that we were in Florida. And uh, yes, amazing. And I was able to do everything from a distance and the business was running smoothly. And yeah, that's really what I've dreamed of back when I was in corporate uh, 11 years ago. Amazing. So you have your business, you're a real estate investor, you're one of the top Canadian real estate investor brokerages, mortgage brokers that's, you know, essentially are helping investors also do the same thing, leave their nine to five and experience that lifestyle and, and meet their goals. But today we're going to, yeah, absolutely. So today we, we are going to actually talk about something very specific. Cause I mean, there's so many things that we could talk about. There's so many different strategies. There's so much, so much to know from a financing standpoint, but we are going to narrow it down today on multifamily financing and, and what we need to know. And, uh, and I think this is probably a great time to have this conversation because you know, again, we don't know what's going to happen in the future and there are going to be some pros and cons to writing some turbulent times or potentially some, potentially some uncertain times and mitigating some of the risk potentially through this strategy. So we are going to first, first and foremost, start about, you know, just the basics. What is the difference between commercial and residential financing? Yes, big difference. And let's first define what commercial is. Okay. So if you're looking at a multi-unit starting at five units, five and six units are in the gray zone. Some lenders actually will approve the deal as residential. Very few lenders will do that, but the majority of the lenders starting at five units start to look at approvals differently. What they do is Sarah, they look at the multi as if it's a business. They see what that building will qualify for in terms of a mortgage versus looking at your personal income as an investor, your credit as an investor. So we have investors who actually earn no income whatsoever personally, and they're scaling up into multi-residential. Why? Because the lenders look at the ability of the asset to qualify for the mortgage. And we will get into that a little later, but that's in a nutshell how they they, uh, get Uh, the loan approved. It's the building that qualifies, not you personally. And I think that is something that, you know, if if somebody's listening to this right now and saying, uh, you know, my income isn't that high, or for some reason, you know, they, they are no longer working with a T4 income or started their own business. It is going to be an avenue, I think, that people can take to go this route versus trying to go through the one to four unit where, you know, you might be capped out. And so you wonder, and I think a lot of people wonder, how do you get to so many properties? How do people get to so many properties? And then, you know, maybe they become full-time. They don't have an income anymore. This is one of those strategies that they can utilize to be able to keep scaling their portfolio with multifamily commercial types of units. Yes. And there is one thing I'd like to share that not too many investors know about. 
Investors think that at five units, this is how the lenders start to look at deals. But here is, here is a tip. We have done deals in the two and three and four units category using this philosophy of looking at the uh, deal versus individual income. And that's how also some investors can still play in the smaller arena and qualify for mortgages, even if they don't have personal income, because the methodology used is using commercial financing versus uh, the typical residential finance, although the property is residential. I mean, I think that's a great tip because I don't think I knew this until you mentioned it. I mean, maybe it's a year or two ago now that you you have the ability to take a two, three, four units. Maybe you're doing a small conversion, something along those lines, and you don't have to qualify. So that's interesting. So let, let's just take a moment and just talk about that for a second because, you know, let's just say you buy something, I don't know, I'll, I'll pick a market. Let's just say Hamilton, and it's going to be a single family conversion to two or three or four units. Yes. What does that look like for from your end in terms of financing where where something like that would make sense? Like, is there a debt coverage ratio? Like, like maybe just walk us through some more insights on that. Yes. So so basically, we uh, as a first option for investors who are buying a single or a duplex or a triplex or a fourplex, I'm always trying to get them the best cost of money, right? And that's typically residential because you get 30-year M, you don't do expensive appraisals, you can get up to 80% loan to value. But if there is no option under that uh, methodology, we look at commercial, which is the debt coverage uh, coverage method. And this is where we uh, basically run the numbers on a duplex and say, okay, what income, what is the total income that this duplex is going to generate? Uh, let's account for some vacancies and we use 5% as a guideline. And then we deduct taxes, insurance, repairs and maintenance, utilities, um, and uh, you know property management. And we arrive to something called net operating income. We actually have a calculator that we developed so people don't have to remember all of this. They can just email us for our multi-residential tools at info at streetwisemortgages.com and they can get a copy of this calculator. But essentially you take the duplex, run it through the calculator and see how much mortgage it will qualify for based on its debt coverage. So um, the maximum you can get on a smaller property is 75% of the value, uh, unless you start to go to CMHC for five units and above. So we've used this, Sarah, for investors who um, show no income or cannot qualify on the residential side. So just to give you an example, very powerful, we have investors who pick up these properties with private money, essentially, they fix them up, they increase the income. We know going into the deal what the debt coverage will be, and we refinance them commercial. So essentially, they're picking up with private and they're exiting commercial. That's that's actually that's brilliant, right? I mean, and and you just mentioned that there's a free calculator. I think people should definitely go download that. So you could have a two, three, or four units, uh, be a full-time real estate investor, quit your job a little too early, which is totally fine, you know, but you have these options and you run through the property. So, so you're talking about a 25% down, 75% loan to value. You know, what are we looking for? Like amortization usually, I'm, I'm guessing rates are a little bit higher as well from a commercial standpoint. Yes. So there are a couple of things you need to account for on commercial. First of all, uh, rates are a little higher right now. You know, you're looking at a three and a half percent roughly in terms of a rate, your appraisal is going to be a little bit more expensive because the commercial lenders look for a more uh, in-depth appraisal on the property. So you're going to spend, 
you know, first, if, if, you, if on a residential deal, you're spending $300 on an appraisal on a commercial deal, depending on the size of the building, you may be in the 750 and above, depending on how many units. And then um, some lenders charge a fee. Uh, it ranges from 0.25 to potentially 1%. And then the broker charges a fee because on commercial deals or deals that are approved using the commercial methodology, brokers don't get paid from the lenders the way residential lenders pay brokers. So these are costs that the uh, investor needs to account for. But if you cannot get it financed residentially, guys, you know, this it's worth your while to go commercial, even though the costs are higher. Um, and, and, and that's the trick. Right. So, so probably a little bit more down payments, a little bit higher cost, but if the deal makes sense, the deal makes sense. And if this is your, your other option, other than just staying with private money, it's probably a better option. Where have you seen these work the best? Like, is it when you're doing the conversions? Is it four units, three units, duplexes, singles? Like, where are you seeing where you're saying this works the best in these types of properties? Okay, so generally speaking, the more units there are, the more income we have, um, and the better the property debt covers, and therefore we can get a good loan amount on it on the commercial side. If we're dealing with a smaller property like a duplex or a triplex, if you're in major markets, often they don't debt cover well. So you will still get, you can still get it financed commercially, but you may not get to the full 75%. But what I do sometimes to, to make the numbers work, I can take a duplex and a triplex and present them to the lender as if they are a fiveplex. And therefore, I'm dealing with more units and I can help the numbers and therefore get you um, a mortgage on these two at a higher loan amount. So there are tricks to, to make the numbers work that way. But generally, the more units we have, the better it works from a commercial standing point. And now we're going to take a quick break to hear from one of our sponsors. Hey guys, I just want to take a quick moment here and pause the podcast to introduce you to one of my favorite contractors, John from Blackjack Contracting Inc. And he has been serving the Niagara, Hamilton and Brantford areas for the past three years and has become the area's legal basement suite renovation specialist. He works with many investors that I know and some newer investors, some more experienced investors, and he converts single family homes into multiple units, as well as my favorite favorite strategy, the Burr strategy. So he's well-versed in those as well to make sure that we can achieve the maximum value of the property and the maximum ARV. He has also completed over 100 units from Brantford to Niagara Falls and everywhere in between as well. They do everything from permitting to the design to the final cleaning before listing our rentals for rent or for sale. And he's also a fully licensed electrical contractor. He's certified with ESA and he will take jobs of all sizes. So no job is too big. He's done a complete guts really from the ground up. So super impressed with his work and what he's been doing for fellow investors that I know as well. So if you wanted to reach out, his website is blackjack contractinginc.ca and you can ask him whatever questions you have. You can also reach out to him Instagram, which is at Blackjack Contracting Inc. And like he says, he knows that investing feels like the biggest gamble of our lives. So when you have Blackjack on your side, the house always wins. So guys, 100%, I recommend Blackjack Contracting. I will say that Finding the right contractor is sometimes a hassle and getting a good one that works with investors that understands the numbers is going to be critical in our success, especially when doing the Burr strategy. And now back to the show. 
That is really interesting. So you could, so essentially, is it two properties that you could buy together at the same time, or could it be something else in your portfolio that you have that you could add to what you're currently buying? Either or, okay. either or. Yeah. We just, the, the key thing that we have to remember on commercial deals, Sarah, is that the income of the property is what is going to qualify it for the loan. So if the property is going to be vacant on closing or there are vacant units, that will impact the numbers, right? Think about it as the property earning, like the property is in a job technically. If it's not earning money through its job, it cannot qualify for the mortgage. So uh, we cannot get uh, the loan up if the units are vacant. They have to be occupied on closing. But yes, I can combine two duplexes or a duplex and a triplex to, to make it like a five, five units or four units. I mean, that's brilliant. Like, you know, anybody that's listening to this right now, that is your, like your key tip. I'm sure there'll be lots of key tips, but this, this is like gold mine, gold mine material right there. And ultimately here's, here's how you keep scaling. You don't have to have a T4 job. You don't have to have an income. You just need to make sure that the income from the property, from the commercial property supports itself. So I'm, I'm guessing, cause like, obviously as, as a real estate investor to play devil's advocate, if something is vacant, I prefer that because I can renovate it. I can put my own rent. So you think that it might make more sense than to close privately, get everything put together and then go to the commercial route for the exit? Absolutely. That's actually the most attractive model when it comes to multi-residential. Don't let the vacancy scare you. If you know how you're going to renovate it and what your uh, potential income is going to look like, yes, we pick it up with private money. Uh, you sit on this money for the duration of the renovation, and then we refinance it commercial. But we got to run these numbers, Sarah, upfront going into the deal, right? You don't want to assume you will be able to get 75% financing once the work is done and then get surprises later. So all of this planning and numbers crunching happens upfront. But yes, generally, you pick up with private, you exit commercial, and it's a beautiful model for scaling that way. Mm -hmm, for sure. Now, do you suggest, and I know you're busy and, and your team is busy, but like, what do you suggest that somebody do? So like, for example, I mean, I think we have an offer going in on, on something today. Do you want somebody to, to talk to you before they're putting in an offer? Like, should they be sending you the deal and say, Hey, I want to close it private yeah. and commercial. Yes, Sarah, we always advocate that on all types of deals we work with for clients. So uh, basically, if you're looking into commercial, I'll send you our calculator. You can run the numbers yourself very quickly just to get a feel for what the numbers look like. But absolutely, pass us the MLS. Tell us what your plan is for the property. We'll help you run the numbers and uh, give you confidence as to how things will play out if you pick it up with private and exit commercial. Um, so, and yes, we are busy, but when there are deals and people need to make decisions, we'll help you, we'll help you move forward. Yeah, no, absolutely. You've, de you've definitely helped me tremendously. You've helped a lot of my students, a lot of, of other investors as well along the way. So I think it probably makes sense then, you know, before they even start buying to have a consultation with you, your team, and, and just even figure out what the strategies are, right? So if they don't, for example, qualify for residential anymore, you know, here are the commercial types of options that you, they can move forward with. So at least they're not thinking they're done. <laughs> Yes. A lot of investors come to us thinking they're done and we can still help them scale and open up doors that they haven't thought about. That's amazing. So 
let's let's go back to you know what we need to know from a, a commercial financing standpoint. I know you talked about how it's a lot more expensive for the appraisal. I think uh, you know one that we're doing right now is, is six thousand dollars for uh, an appraisal. You know for for twenty two units, and that's not yes. cheap. That's not the three hundred dollars that we're used to from a residential standpoint. Yes. But but let's let's take a d- deeper dive into it. Like what are some of the things that the tips, the insights that we need to know as real estate investors from a financing standpoint when we want to go into commercial. Okay, so first of all, you um, need to run the numbers upfront with your mortgage broker to understand what financing options you have to pick up the property and to refinance it if you're going to renovate it. Because here's what happens. You get a listing, you get an income and expense statement from the realtor, and you run the numbers as a real estate investor and you go, oh my God, okay, I'm going to buy this with 20% down and it's going to cash flow and it's going to be 30 year M and, you know, completely wrong assumptions. You got to show it to the broker because what we do on our end using the calculator that I'm happy to share with you guys is make adjustments to these numbers based on how the lenders think. So I need to factor in vacancies. I need to factor in property management, even if you're not going to hire a property manager and manage it yourself. There are a couple of reserves that I need to account for. And then I can tell you, listen, right now, as the numbers stand, when you buy it, you have to put a higher down payment or we go private to get you into the deal with the least down payment or negotiate the vendor take back and take a private to really get so creative and pick it up with little money. Now tell me what you're going to do with it in terms of renovations, what you're putting into it, what the income is going to be. And then I will validate for you how we're going to exit that money. Are we going to go to CMHC? Are we going to go to a regular lender? Are we going to get you uh, 85% loan on exit or 75? That's a discussion that we need to have before you go buy. So first of all, we need to validate assumptions. That's number one. Number two, when you get into commercial financing, if we're going to a regular lender from the get-go, not private, we need to um, we need to make sure our timelines and the offer account for that because here's what happens. The lender issues something called a letter of interest. And that letter of interest is not an approval. It's basically the lender reviewing the numbers quickly to say, hey, I'm interested in lending on this deal. But you got to make sure you give me this and this and this and this and this and this, including an appraisal and maybe an environmental environmental if the property looks like it may have issues. And only then I will issue an approval. So if we're if I'm telling you we're going to go to a, a, a traditional lender to pick up the property, not private, we want to make sure that in your offer we account for an appraisal that's going to take, you know, maybe three to three and a half weeks. Sometimes we got to make sure we account for the time that we're going to gather the documents. So a financing condition of five business days, when you're going to a traditional lender is not going to make sense. We got to go longer. And if we're going to CMHC, it has to be even longer than that. CMHC is taking like three months to review and approve deals. So number two is timelines. So number one is assumptions. Number two is timelines. Number three is costs. So I, I do want to go and circle back. I mean, those are all really interesting things, but with CMHC. So, I mean, obviously we, we all know, and we've all heard that CMHC does take a while. And is it, do you think it's better? I mean, obviously it's case by case, but it just in general to close non-CMHC with an exit strategy of then going to CMHC, why or why not? 
Yes, 100%. So first of all, CMHC takes long to approve the deals. And in a market like the one we're in, you got to be nimble, you got to be you got to move fast. If you put in a condition of 90 days financing on offers these days, it's very unlikely you're not you're you're gonna you're not gonna win the offer. (laughs) So (laughs) this is why we got to think about ways to pick up the properties quickly, whether it's using private money or a combination of traditional and private and then switch to CMHC when we have time on our side. This way, our offers look more attractive. So absolutely for that reason, because of the market we're in. Um, the, other reason of, the other reason too is, um, um, you know, sometimes the CMHC value is lower than the actual value that you're buying the property. Sorry, the, the purchase price or the value that the property is worth through an appraisal. So you may want to close, you know, institutional and then uh, push the rents up through a renovation and revisit later with CMHC because you may get less money going with CMHC upfront because of that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. You know, and and just to to add to CMHC, so it's it's definitely different than the CMHC that you're thinking of, or many people might be thinking of from a residential standpoint, right? Where you put 5% down or 10% down as, as a, uh, somebody that's moving in and then CMHC covers. This is a whole different level, different segments of, of CMHC. But can we talk about what the financing looks like? I mean, let's, let's just say, why, so why would a real estate investor that's, that's exiting want to go the CMHC route? Like what are the actual benefits to that? You know, we talked about how, how obviously it's definitely more time consuming uh, to do that, but why, why do people want to do that? Yeah, there are several benefits. So with CMHC, uh, especially if the property has been renovated and you've pushed your rents up and you've stabilized the units, uh, you can get a 30 year amortization or 35 years or 40 years. With traditional financing on multi-residential, it's 25 years. Um, Just a caveat, the economic life of the building needs to be greater than the amortization. What is the economic life? It's how long the building will live based on the appraiser's assessment. So a building in an appraisal report has something called an economic life. If the appraiser says this building has been renovated and it's going to live for 40 years, then CMHC would be willing to give you a mortgage with a 30 or a 35 years. They're not going to give you a mortgage that extends beyond the life of the property. So CMHC first benefit is extended amortization. Second benefit is lower rate. Right now, you know, the conventional rates are at, in the three point something. CMHC is still at two point something, even lower in some cases than what you can get as a rate on a smaller residential property. So rates are so, so attractive. Um, the other thing also is CMHC can finance up to 85% of the value. This, of course, sounds great, but there is a caveat. The caveat is that it's their value. So let's say you're buying a building, let's say your building is worth $5 million, okay? And the appraisal report is saying that, yep, this thing is worth $5 million. Well, we'll take the appraisal to CMHC, but CMHC has their own methodologies of valuing buildings and their own cap rates and their own data on markets and buildings. And they may disagree that the value is five. They may say, oh, sorry, our value is 4.7. So that 85% is off their 4.7. But there are cases where you can get 85% of the actual appraised value. So higher leverage, extended amortization, uh, lower rates are all uh, great things to uh, to get with CMC, which obviously help your cash flow. 
I mean, that's the big part is, is it's for a cash flow boost, right? So the longer the amortization is, the less your monthly payments are going to be, the lower the rates, the less the payments are going to be as well. And so now do you think when it comes to multifamily, you know, in the 2022 market that the, the strategy is really to take something and improve it uh, rather than just do a buy and hold on these multifamilies? Like, what do you think is the strategy that works the best? for you know, the time that we're in and the competitive market that we're in and the low cap rates that we're in? Yeah, so um, right now, what I'm observing across uh, at least many markets in Ontario is that the prices have gone up. The rents have not caught uh, as much to these prices. So if you take that into a debt coverage calculator, what it really means is that you're buying an asset where the income is not sufficient initially to get you the maximum loan amount because the rents have not caught up. And therefore, if you're just looking at a turnkey property in the market we're in right now, you'll find it. However, it's not going to cash flow unless you have to inject a higher down payment into the deal, unless you do something with it, you increase the rents or, you know, you enhance expenses. And, and, and that is typically through a renovation. So, Absolutely. It is the strategy that works best right now in the market we're in to actually squeeze as much value out of the property and get the best loans uh, because then the property will qualify for a better mortgage because, the, because of how the prices and the rents are playing out in, in many markets right now. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. Great insight. I mean, that's what I'm seeing as well. Like, you can't, I mean, even, even for the smaller multis, I mean, it's really hard to make anything work because the sellers want, you know, market rates, market prices, but their rents, you know, they haven't raised them. They have the same tenants that have been there for 10 plus years and they just don't make sense. Right. And so I think there's got to be some lift and some value add to really do well uh, along, along those lines. So we talked about CMHC. What about, I, I do want to add something or, cause I know you mentioned something the other day that, that was quite interesting but there are some lenders that CMHC will take over from and some that they, they do not. Can you explain that a little bit more and, and also what bridge financing is? Yeah, so when COVID hit, uh, CMHC uh, came forward with some changes to the guidelines with respect to equity takeout. One of these rules um, is that CMHC will only pay out uh, on a refinance a lender that is approved with them. So if you have your typical private on a property and that private loan is not uh, approved on CMHC's list, CMHC will not pay it off unless we bridge to a lender that is on their list. And that's where bridge financing may come in sometimes to get you out of that private if that original private lender is not on their list. So the bridge is really a stepping stone um and because a lot of bridge lenders are approved with cmhc they will only uh do the deal if they feel that cmhc will pay them out fully and going back to the time you take the private we want to make sure that if that's the strategy that you're not over leveraging on the private or you're we, we know that you're going to truly push the value up so that there is enough to get you to that exit with cmhc because you don't want to be in a situation where you take a very large private and couple it with a vendor take back, which is actually a very common strategy in, uh, in multi-residential. 
and then not have enough lift in the property to refinance it to the bridge and then to CMHC later. And then you're left, you're left holding a bag of private money, which is obviously uh, expensive. Yeah. I mean, and I think that like, those are the horror stories that, that we hear, right? When sometimes I think people are over leveraged without really understanding what the exit is going to look like and getting that as is, as complete refinance. And, but it goes to show you that this is why you can't just work with a regular mortgage broker, somebody that's just working with, with homeowners that are looking for their house, their forever home, right? Because it's such a different ball game. And this is why, you know, like, I think, I think you and your team, I think anyone that's listening to this should be, you know, adding and, and, you know, adding a team member, an expert team member to, to be able to help them scale, right. Once they get from residential to commercial and, and beyond so that that person can actually grow with them because we all make mistakes of going to the banks directly or potentially having somebody on the team that is not investor specific, investor focused, and at some point, you're going to have to replace that team member. So it's just a lot easier to just pick the ones that are going to be able to grow with you along the way, for sure. Yeah. And Sarah, we, we got our clients back. We don't want to put you into a deal uh, and just get the deal done and, and you know close today and deal with it later on. No, we want to make sure that what we're putting today is going to enable your success and that we have thought three steps ahead when we're when we're arranging these loans okay so we do a lot of hand holding and we've got our uh clients backs when it comes to uh all deals but in particular multi-residential re- residential requires a lot more hand holding which we provide mm-hmm, absolutely awesome well dahlia that was great i do want to before we get into the lightning round just talk about you're going to be speaking at a multi-family conference may 14th and 15th can you share some details around that Yes, exciting conference face-to-face uh, on May 14th and 15th. You can, vi- you can find more information at multifamilyconference.com, uh, .ca or .com. If you Google it, you we'll will- put it in the show notes. Yeah, I, yeah, I think yeah you'll definitely find it. But uh, yeah, great speakers and everything uh, with respect to multi-residential. Um, I will be uh, sharing a lot more in-depth strategies uh, in particular, uh, tips and mistakes that I've seen over the years uh, to help you understand how to run the numbers, um, some tips around raising money, how to structure your deals, uh, what to look for. So I have an hour presentation and I'll be sharing a lot of things in depth at that conference. If clients uh, are interested in signing up, they can go to that website and uh, we have a special code for uh, tickets for discounts. It's uh, Streetwise 15. Uh, but yes, I'd love to uh, meet investors who are looking to scale as well as, as those who are investing and uh, who, who are looking for the next level of uh, knowledge. But uh, very, very interesting and uh, face-to-face, which I'm really looking forward to after two years of Zooming out. <laughs> A normal meeting that doesn't require masks. You can yes. have conversations, you can see people's smiles, facial expressions. I'm, I'm actually really looking forward to it. I think it is going to be, uh, you know, just just nice to get back out there again. And, and I, you know, I'm excited to hear you speak too. And you've got lots, always lots of great insights. I mean, it's, it's real value, right? It's not the fluff. It's like actual real, real takeaways. And uh, I think it's going to be, it's, I think it's going to be a great event. We'll put the, the information in the show notes with your code, Dahlia, so that people can uh, register if they haven't yet. 
All right. So the next part is the lightning round. I'm going to make these questions up as we go because you've been on this podcast so much and, uh, you know, we don't want to ask you the exact same questions. We've got to spice it up a little bit. Are you ready? Ready. This week's lightning round is brought to you by Megan Chomut. If you're looking for a great financial advisor to add to your team who actually understands and incorporates real estate as part of your overall plan and gets your money working for you, you can reach out to Megan at meganchomut.com forward slash Sarah. And also she's offered for my podcast listeners to provide you with a free customized individualized 90 day game plan for getting ahead. So to get that, go to meganchomut.com forward slash Sarah. That's M-E-G-H-A-N-C-H-O-M-U-T.com forward slash Sarah. And now back to the show. All right, here is question number one. Spring 2022. What are the two strategies out of all the real estate strategies that you think are going to carry and do the best for this coming year? Like I said earlier, Sarah, anything that adds value to the property, whether it's rezoning or whether it's a change of use or whether it's renovating and adding more units and income to the property, anything that adds value is going to be the uh, key strategy to make money. Amazing. Question number two. What do you think the risks are for 2022? Well, obviously, interest rate risk is a big one right now, given uh, the uncertainty about rates. We know that rates are going to rise. And I have a video that where I talked about interest rates direction uh, this year. We know that it's going to rise anywhere from another 75 points to 1%. So the risk is not planning for it, okay? If the risk is not, it's going gonna, it's gonna to rise. The risk is not being proactive about managing the risk. So what do I mean by that? You as an investor really need to look at your portfolio with your mortgage broker and say, okay, if the rates rise by another 1%, how do my numbers look? What does my cash flow look like? Where do I need to make changes? Maybe I need to restructure amortizations to open up um, room so that when the payment goes higher, I can absorb it. Maybe I need to clear some debts this way I can take on an additional payment. I wouldn't suggest locking into rates right now because the fixed rates are at a all time premium if you wanna lock into them. But I'm talking more about being proactive on how you're gonna manage the risk of an interest rate increase uh, across your portfolio. And, and that's, that's a concern right now for many, many investors. And we're doing a lot of stress tests when, with investors right now to help them understand what that would look like. Yeah. And the only thing I would add to you is if, if you haven't done that with your mortgage broker, reach out to Dahlia and her team and stress test your portfolio because we all know rates are going to go up and it's just a matter of how you are going to manage it. Maybe, maybe you're all set, but maybe, you know, maybe you do want to look at that reamortization or, you know, if you've got a step mortgage, then you've got access, you know, to, to some of that, uh, that equity and, and Dahlia and her team have some strategies around that, that she shared with me a little while ago. That was interesting. So, you know, definitely prepare today from, you know, for, for some times that we don't really know what the future is going to hold, but I hundred percent agree to be you know, proactive and stress test your portfolio along the way. All right, number three, if you had to pick two markets for 2020, and I know this is tough because there's so many great markets, but if you had to pick two, what are your two favorite right now for 2022? Sorry, I should say 2022. <laughs> 
Well, here's the thing. I always look for markets that still have strong economic fundamentals when it comes to either infrastructure expansion, immigration, intramigration, uh, revitalization. So there are many markets that fall into that. Uh, then I look at um, the rents that these markets are fetching relative to the prices, something called the rent to price ratio. So Right now, um, I am liking Peterborough as an area. There are still great things happening there. Uh, the prices are lower than Durham region. The rents are not much lower. So that's one of my favorite pockets right now. Um, I don't have yet another favorite pocket, but that one is my top of my list right now. Okay, all right, awesome. Question number four, where's your next go-to travel place? Oh. I, we actually talked about it here with my family. We want to go to Japan. We want to see Japan next year, but in the near future, we're going to Italy. This summer, uh, we have uh, an Italy tour uh, planned that we were supposed to do in 2020, 2020 when COVID hit. So we're going to go to Italy and next year, Japan. These are the two destinations. Amazing. I love that. Number five. If somebody goes to you and says, I want to retire in five years with $5,000 a month of passive income, what would the steps that they would need to take with you, with your team, what would that look like? Okay. So first of all, I want to look at um, their resources. Where is the money going to come from to acquire real estate? Okay. We got to think about that. And then we're going to look at strategy. Uh, what strategy makes sense given um, their skill set, their time, where they live, and their risk, right? Because someone may, go, may say, you know what? Okay, go and invest in student rentals. Student rentals are going to give you the best cash flow right now because you're renting by room and it's a quick hit. But someone may not be suitable for a student rental. So I part of the work we do is digging deeper beyond what you hear in, in social media about strategies and investing. So where's the money going to come from? Let's look at all of the buckets available to you, it could be it could be line of credits in equity, it could be cash, it could be family and friends, it could be joint ventures, it could be hard money, I don't know, but we're going to look at that. Then we're going to look at strategy, and then we're going to basically run the numbers to see um, how you're going to qualify, and we're also going to connect you with the right people to help you implement. So if you need uh, realtors, you need a coach like yourself, Sarah, you need uh, a lawyer, accountant will help you pull, pull the pieces, pieces together to, to get you there. And that's the work we always do through the financing roadmap with clients. Amazing. So people just send you an email at info at streetwisemortgages.com and then just ask for the roadmap? Yeah. Okay. Awesome. Or they ask for the stress testing their portfolio so that you could do that, right? So, I mean, I think there's like definitely lots of different things that you could do to, to help somebody listening to this right now. Yeah, either the financing roadmap or I want to stress test my portfolio or I'd like to get a copy of your multi-residential tools. Help me run the numbers. Yes, all at info at streetwisemortgages.com. One door. <laughs> Amazing. Thanks for playing the lightning round, Dahlia. I know you just mentioned where people can reach out. Do you, I think you also do some videos, right? You do some video content as well. Where do you put those? Uh, two places. Uh, on YouTube, we have the Streetwise Investor on um, YouTube, as well as on Instagram. Okay. Amazing. Yes. I saw you on Instagram. Now my, my account got hacked. So hopefully I get it back. No, <laughs> but uh, yeah, I, I, I was following your stuff on, actually I saw your video. I just saw a video of you in a car today, I think on LinkedIn. Was it on LinkedIn? 
No, that was on LinkedIn and Facebook and social media. I was basically, um, uh, I, I came across an article and I felt that it's timely to put some content out. So I didn't bother going to a studio or, you know, going the raw, into the raw, the real information. I just stopped on the road and shot the video. That's what happened. And it wasn't my car. It wasn't my car. No, but you know what? That's, that's the truth. Like, that's how it is, right? This is real life. We have something we want to share. You know, it doesn't have to be all production and everything around it. It's yeah. good value. The information is more important than exactly where you are. And, and it, you know, it's, it's good to do some things in a timely manner as well. Dahlia, thank you so much for being on the show once again. It's always a pleasure. And, uh, and if you haven't reached out to Streetwise Mortgages yet, please do so. I know they've helped me personally tremendously uh, and still continue to do so. And as you can see, you are not stuck. You're not stuck. You are just, you just need some resources. You just need a team that can help you maneuver through all of this stuff. On that note, thank you so much, Dahlia. And thank you guys for tuning in. Thank you, Sarah, for having me. Hey guys, before you go, I wanted to ask you a question. What's stopping you from starting or growing your own real estate investment portfolio? I know for me, before I started, I had plenty of reasons. And at the time, they all seemed very valid. But as I started my journey, these reasons slowly fell away. And eventually only one reason remained. What was actually stopping me was having a proven, actionable, repeatable system. I didn't have that. And the way that was going to change was by investing in myself, learning, listening, and looking for ways that worked. And also most importantly, discovering what didn't and not making those mistakes again. Fast forward to today, I now have a proven repeatable series of action steps that has enabled me to build my seven figure portfolio consisting of multiple homes, and I'm able to manage that in two to three hours a month. Is that something that you would want? Well, I've actually taken all the knowledge I've accumulated and put that into a comprehensive step-by-step -step online program. It's called Rise, and it's a program that will help you from where you are now to where you want to be faster and with less of the headaches that I had. So it consists of all the templates and the resources that I use, plus over 40 instructional videos that you get lifetime access to for just a small one-time investment. And you know, my recommendation is to make the time now to invest in yourself and grow your portfolio to seven figures so that you can bring your retirement dreams closer. If you want some more information about Rise, just go to sarahlarby.com forward slash R-I-S-E to access more details and book your spot. Thanks so much for listening to Where Should I Invest with your host, Sarah Larby. Make sure to listen in next time. We'll catch you on the next episode of Where Should I Invest.